This is an ABC podcast. Jones gives it back. Rankin from the tight angle snaps for the opener. A magical finish on a historical night. You know when your parents go out of town for the weekend and you tell them you're having a gathering, but it's really a party. Things get wild fast. That's the AFL right now. They called it Gather Round, but this is bigger than a gather. In a second, I'm going to tell you why it's going to change sport in Australia. We'll also do our weekend forecasting for both footy codes plus sound bites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. So I reckon Pablo Picasso called it best when he said, good artists copy, great artists steal. I was thinking about those words this week as the AFL media commenced a love-in over gather-round in Adelaide. Somewhere, rugby league supremo Peter Volandis must have been fuming. Never mind that the AFL stole the concept from the NRL's Magic Round, who stole it from the UK Super League, who stole it from Rugby Sevens, who stole it from under-10 soccer gala days. It doesn't really matter who did it first. What's clear is this thing is an absolute juggernaut. It is a winner. One thing you can guarantee is we're about to see a litany of imitations of the imitators. If you're running cricket or netball or the A-Leagues or the NBL and you're watching this absolute money-making carnival, what do you think you're doing? If you're not on the phone to tourism bodies from each state, you're probably not doing your job. Magic round, gather rounds, whatever you want to call it, it's coming to a code near you in a city to be determined. Trust us, just a matter of time. Corbin Middlemass is in South Australia for this footy festival. I feel like, you know, I'm missing out on a killer house party and you're there and I need you to paint me a picture of the atmosphere, Corb. Oh, it's a, it is an absolute party. It's the ultimate footy festival. It's everything that the AFL wanted it to be. You sort of walk down the terrace and there's sort of people wearing all their footy colours, which is great. And we're only, you know, at the start of the weekend, there's you know, still the lion's share of games ahead of us. I sort of feel a little bit like Stacky if I was sort of eight or nine years old, you know, how would I engage with the weekend? Would it be sort of something that would appeal to me? And this would be my absolute dream as a kid to be able to have every single team in the competition all in the one place at the one weekend. There's heaps of sort of activation sites down on the Torrens. It's a magic concept, obviously, that's been borrowed from another code, but um, the AFL doing their, their best bit, uh, obviously, here in South Australia this weekend as, as they have a crack at it for the first time. And they are already courting other state governments to try and outbid SA for this product in years to come. Can you see it working or, or not in other states and cities? I think it needs to be in a footy heartland. So I think part of it is you need a huge crowd. So you need, one is people to travel. Uh, and then the second part of it is obviously you need people that already live in that existing city or state, for example, that, that are going to make it a mega event. So South Australia are, are an excellent dance partner for the AFL, I think, on that front. I understand where the AFL is coming from. In any bidding war, you obviously you know need two interested parties. So it, it makes sense for them not to commit to anything long-term to South Australia straight out of the gates. I think initially they were hoping, look, let's put it in New South Wales. We could do it you know, out at uh, Homebush, for example, and you know, have both the old Olympic Stadium and Giant Stadium and set up some fan zones in between. But I just don't think it would draw the same kind of crowd. And the same way that, for example, the NRL, you know, was rumoured that they're looking at this weekend in Melbourne, for example, given the fact that you know, the whole AFL goes out of the city, maybe the NRL can capitalise on that. And I think the travel aspect is... As much as I would love, as a native sand grapper, I'd love to see it in Perth. I think that 
adds another restriction perhaps in a way that South Australia doesn't. You know, people from Victoria can just jump in the car. It's, you know, not too far away from Sydney and some sort of major areas. Whereas Perth, just that little bit more difficult or more expensive to, to try and make the long trip across the country in, in just a weekend. If this thing was a music festival, Corb, it was the Crows who lit up the main stage. Everyone's talking about their set today. Is Adelaide re-emerging after years of self-induced wilderness walking? I've tipped into them here, that mainly because they're a bottom three teams in terms of you know age. So they're, they're so young, and yet they're all lockstep at the moment in the way that Matthew Nix wants them to play. And Nix is pushing against history as well, but Adelaide have never had a senior coach start a fourth season that has never played finals previously. So they've been patient with him as a footy club in the way that they've never been patient with senior coaches in the past. They went to the draft heavily after the 2017 Grand Final, and we saw a number of those players that they've taken with high picks over the last five or six seasons, you know, played big roles last Hicks night. from 40. Darcy Fogarty has five. Coach Jones probably had his best game for the club. Yeah, Pedler, Philthorpe, Michael Lanny, Rochelle, all these guys that are a really sort of high-end talent that they've been able to get in, we're, we're starting to see it, that they've had you know two or three seasons under their belt, some of them. So this is a team that, that's worth paying very close attention to, and I, I think they made a bit of a statement last night, not just in the performance against the Blues, but in front of the rest of the competition who were here to see it. Welcome to Adelaide. The Crows dish out the Blues' first loss of the season and show the rest of the league what the local team is capable of. Maybe the biggest game remaining in the round is St Kilda versus the Collingwood Football Club. Is this the Saints' litmus test? And what do you think it's going to tell us about both sides? I think so. I mean, they've been so system-based the whole way through St Kilda and they've got an injury list as long as your arm and yet they've been able to cover for that the whole way through. Uh, Collingwood are uh, electrifying when they're up and going and we saw that particularly in the first three rounds of the season. Hand pass to Nick Dacos, Pendlebury over his shoulder, back to Nick Dacos. This will be a great goal. Bring the house down! (laughs) And the Saints cop them on the rebound. So they, they come here, obviously, after that disappointing showing, particularly in the second half against Brisbane. I think they're going to get an extra motivated Collingwood as well. And I'm sure the Pies would love to make sure that there's uh, there's no more undefeated teams by the end of the weekend. Certainly on talent, I think if both teams play to their absolute ceiling, I think Collingwood will be too good for them. But as we see from Ross Lyon team, Saki, they, they just seem to have a way of, of taking away the weapons from, from opposition sides. And, and Ross has done that through the first four weeks of the season. Why can't it continue to, uh, to bring the curtain down on, on Gather Round Sunday night? Looking forward to you and the team calling all the action across the weekend. Corb, thanks for your time. Anytime. And just before we move on, is anyone else kind of interested to see how the Swans go without Lance Franklin against Richmond? You know that if they win, the storyline will likely be questions around whether they might be better without Bud. That's despite the fact he's been carrying an injury in 2023 to this point. So he hasn't exactly been full steam. One to chew on, I'm sure. Flipping to NRL and Emma Lawrence from Channel 9 is here. Emma, the round kicked off with Apprentice beating Master as Jason Demetrio knocked over Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins. What was the story for you out of the Bunnies' big win over the Finns? Well, I think, Stacky, we all expected the Bunnies to get the job done over the Dolphins. The Dolphins were already really struggling at the beginning of the year in terms of their depth. They've lost a number of players to injuries and suspension. So the result wasn't a massive surprise, but I think just the whole Wayne Bennett up against Jason Demetrio, I think that's what 
everyone wanted to talk about all week and um, I thought it was really interesting to see how Jason Demetrio said. It's kind of exciting, you know, that uh, I've got to work with him and, and be mentored by him for so long and then to be coaching in the NRL against Wayne Bennett is, for me, it's quite surreal. The greatest coach, not only in rugby league history, but potentially in Australian sport. And um, Wayne's just the master. You know, the way he speaks to the media after the game about controversial calls and um, them not getting a penalty. He's so understated. Yeah, well, I mean, um, he wasn't allowed to run the line that he, that he was running. He was going back towards the ball. He wasn't going anywhere else. He got penalised in the first half, rightly. He'll be secretly calling the journos all week, getting them to blow up, but in the press conference, he's understated. So despite a loss, I think Wayne was still the story. Always wins, even when he loses. (laughs) So much interest in the Roosters' clash with the Sharks, but I think a lot of people are talking or thinking about what's happening for the Roosters in second grade. Why is that? Well, Angus Crichton is making his return um, in New South Wales Cup, so... Angus had um, an extended period off due to mental health issues and originally we didn't know too many details but his dad did come out um, and actually had spoken to Nine and said that Angus had been diagnosed with bipolar. He had a period off and has gradually worked his way back into coming into the Roosters headquarters and training with them. So I think this is an earlier return than many expected. So he's kept pretty fit. If it goes well, hopefully it's only another few weeks until we see Angus Crichton back in um, first grade. So wishing him all the very best in his return. And yeah, very brave of him, I guess, to speak out and say that he needed help. So hopefully the return all goes to plan. He's hoping. Um, I think all of Western Sydney has an eye on the Dogs-Eels clash Sunday. Why is there so much at stake here? Well, first off, they're, um, they're Western Sydney rivals, two massive Sydney clubs um, with a, a long history and tradition in the game. So before you even talk about what's happening this week, a few storylines. Uh, Reed Marnie, one of the Bulldogs' big recruits, he's coming up against his former club. Um, the Dogs also facing a lot of adversity. They're missing some of their star players for an extended period. No Josh Adokar. Matt Burton puts in a kick. Adokar's running. Isaac Thompson gets there first. Oh, no. Adokar's caught his foot in a big dividend now at Stadium Australia, and he's in all sorts of trouble. Josh Adokar is writhing in pain on the ground. Novili Amikikau, so their backs will be against the wall. And it's a Sunday afternoon game, so hopefully they could get a good crowd out there at Combank. So that one should be a cracker for many reasons as well. Emma Lawrence, you're too kind for sharing your time with us. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Time for sound bites, and we are kicking things off with resident round ball queen Sam Kerr, who generally terrorised England as the Matildas put the world on notice with the 2 0 victory over the Euro champs in London. If Tilly's fans were throwing a party, Kerr was here to shut it down. It's obviously a really big performance from us. We've got a lot of players out, um, but unfortunately, beating England tonight doesn't win us anything. Uh, I wouldn't be here if it did. Uh, (laughs) I'd be out celebrating. But no, um, it's obviously really, really nice. She is not messing around. That is fierce. And speaking of strong young women, did you hear about Chicago's secret weapon in the NBA? They knocked Toronto out of the play-in tournament and someone had the Raptors rattled when they went to the free-throw line. Foul going to go against DeRozan. A chance to put it up to a 20-point advantage for Toronto. Misses the first. Did you catch that? How about this one? The 24th foul shot of the night for the Raptors. That is the daughter of DeMar DeRozan. 
And here's the voice you're hearing when Raptors shoot. She's screaming. Check out with your Chicago here. Hey, she went one for two, like the Raptors. Loose ball. Levine comes. Sounds like an extra in The Last of Us. The Raptors missed 18 free throws in total, their most since 1997. Expect her to feature at the Bulls matchup against the Heat. And finally, did you catch the litany of Indigenous players who revealed they'd been vilified online this week? Michael Walters and Nathan Wilson from Frio, Isaac Rankin from the Crows, Charlie Cameron from the Lions. It just sucked. But it was cool to hear coaches like Brisbane's Chris Fagan or the Suns' Stuart Jew among those speaking out on the matter. It's disgraceful. Talk to our lads have, have, have copped racial abuse and it's just, we just have to keep calling it out. But not only that, in your lives, if you're, if you're out at the shops or you're at dinner with your mates, you just can't accept it. And I talk to Jared Harbrow a lot, like, what, what more can we do? Well, it's, it's educate your kids and making sure that if you hear something, you, you call it out. You wonder what an organisation like Meta might do to make their platforms more safe. They might have spent $5 billion on safety last year, but they also wrote $116 billion in revenue. So they've probably got capacity to throw some more resources at it. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. A reminder, you can catch every game of the NRL and the AFL live this weekend via the ABC Listen app. No commercials, just good old live sport. The link is in our show notes. Thanks to ESPN for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.